Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Primetime Alex Stein, the king of all conspiracies. Today, we go live from his Conspiracy Castle channel and tape this special episode of the Better Call Daddy Show. Alex, welcome. Rena. Mr. Conspiracy Castle. Okay, we're going live. Cool. And we're going to bring on our very lovely, our very, I'm very excited to introduce Rena from Better Call Daddy podcast. I want to say, Rena, you recently had David Weiss on your show. And, and what did David Weiss said? You need to, how did I come up? And you said you need to interview me. And anybody that interviews me is I know is a crazy person. So I know you're crazy. And in a good way, I love you. And I do get asked to be interviewed. So don't feel like you're the only one. But I'm saying, I know when you're asking to interview me that you're a very cool, quirky, cool person. So how did, how did I come up? I have to know. Yeah, one of his fans in the comments was like next you need to get conspiracy castle wow okay is that easy well gosh well i'm happy that david has a, a traveling band audience that makes sense i mean he definitely has his fair share of people that love him and i'm a huge fan did you like david what did you think about david after the show i did actually i asked my linkedin followers whether they thought the earth was round or flat and that was the first time ever that i had gotten trolls so i felt like i had moved up in the world what do you mean on linkedin so what the hell what happened on linkedin like do you have a lot of followers on linkedin see i don't even have i have all these social media i don't even have a linkedin or if i have a linkedin it's not like a full profile you know i might have like a alex Stein, but it doesn't say anything you know not my jobs or anything yeah, I have about 11,000 followers there. And a lot of people told me to go to Facebook or, you know. Oh, so that's where you're fine. You have 11,000. So you have a big LinkedIn. That's annoying. I mean, not annoying, annoying. And like, you know what I mean? All those business people, I bet they were like, who is this crazy girl? Like, what? how is the response? So tell me all about it. I'm yeah, interested. they couldn't believe that I was asking that question. And I'm like, well, what's your proof? You know, and they were like, satellites and, you know. NASA, like all of the typical, you know, responses that David was used to getting. So he was able to speak to all of that, which was really fun. Yeah, well, that's so funny. So do you put your do you post your show on LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. Do you have like a good interaction on LinkedIn? Like how many live? I mean, I don't even know how I'm saying I don't even know how LinkedIn works. Like, do they still like kind of recreational stuff on LinkedIn? I guess is my question. So another question that he said would push people's buttons was, ask if people knew the ingredients of what's in the vaccine. So I just yeah. said, you know, before you took the vaccine, did you look into the ingredients? Oh my God, people went crazy on that one too. So just those two posts, I did like a poll and I just yeah. said, did you look into the ingredients? Yes, no, or funny comment below. And I got like over well, 90,000. What were they 000. saying? I mean, just say, like, they're all pissed. F you. I did look into it. They're yeah, just, you're oh, a what? fear mongerer. And... Oh, fear monger. Yeah, that's a good idea. Wow. Isn't it crazy how you can't even just question any official story? Like, even if we talk about it on this show, it, it can get censored. It's like crazy how you cannot go against anything the CDC says. So for anybody listening, the CDC is always correct. The WHO is always correct. And the World Trade Organization and the rulers that rule our world know exactly what they're doing. Okay, so back to what we were talking about. Um, it's just funny how society will literally look you in the face and they'll tinkle on you and tell you that it's raining metaphorically. You know, that's literally how I feel. Uh, they're just like, they don't, they don't really treat us with the good, you know, the proper respect. Like, do you feel as a, a white cisgendered woman that you're accepted in society or do you think that you're marginalized? Well, my husband would say that I'm not white because he thinks Jewish people aren't. Well, I'm Stein, so I didn't know my, my dad didn't know his dad, so I never knew my grandfather. So I obviously have Jewish blood in me, but my grandmother wasn't. 
I wasn't raised. I was actually baptized. I even consider myself a more, I'm not a Jesus freak. People are gonna get, the Christians are going to get mad. I'm a fake Christian. I'm one of those that goes to hell, but I don't believe in eternal hell. So there you go. If you're Jewish, I guess you're not white. You're not. I don't think that is Jews. They consider themselves what non-white. Isn't that correct? I think my husband fills, you know, the other box, although his mom is Jewish and his dad probably descends from the clan. So that's why that which one didn't work which out. clan not the one <laughs> not the kkk clan is that the one you do wow whoa that's crazy yeah well i had to be crazy to connect with you right i actually what i wanted to talk about was 2015 when you became woke and found out that your daddy didn't have all the answers can we talk about that the thing that really shocked me about my dad that was in 9 11 happened that's when like that 2015 was totally different but that's when it really kind of woke me up in 2001, I remember after 9-11 happened, watching it live in school, and I remember like talking to my dad and asking my dad, like, hey, dad, like, what happened? Like, what's going on? And he had no idea, and he was shell-shocked. And like, that was the first realization. I don't know, remember what you felt. I'm interested to see how you felt during 9-11. But like, as a young kid, I was 14 years old, and I'm asking my dad, who I, uh, obviously as a 13-year-old kid, your dad has all the answers. You know what I mean? I mean, my dad is like the fucking expert in everything. He'll tell me he's an expert, like most dads would, you know? And then you go, and for the first time in my life, I'm like, Dad, what is this? And he literally didn't even know how to lie. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't, I mean, you know, not even lie. Like, he just didn't even know how to sugarcoat it, how to be like, well, it was these guys. They just wanted to bomb a building. You know, there's no way to sugarcoat that. And for me, that was like a, a real harsh reality that went with me through all of high school. Because my whole entire high school was all like after 9-11, which wasn't that after 9-11 wasn't that bad of a time in America. There was a lot of camaraderie. It was almost other than New York being totally fucked up. The rest of the world was okay. There's a lot of flags. People, I mean, you know, people were actually, it actually kind of brought us together. It was a lot night and day difference in what it feels like now in society. That's why I'm worried about the social engineers, what they have in store for us, because it's the plot will continue to get thick as we progress in this uh, story. I heard you say on your podcast that it sent you down like the rabbit hole of researching all of the people that were involved. Yes, well, so 9-11 for me was like really shocking because like I knew some about conspiracies when I looked into 9-11 truth, you know, I knew like some about like um, Scientology and stuff, but I didn't know that much about conspiracies. I didn't like know there was like literally, I guess I'd heard about Skull and Bones, but I didn't realize there's like even more fraternal organizations that are secret that have like secret signs and codes and, and hand gestures that they use to communicate and like basically social engineer outcomes for their benefit. Um, so I like, I didn't really have a grasp around that. And then once I kind of started looking into, I watched Loose Change and you're right, like 2015 is when I watched Loose Change. I was like immediately like, what, what, why would they NORAD tell him to stand down? Or like, you know, why did Dick Cheney tell this guy, Norman Mineta was sitting there, the transportation secretary, heard him say three times, you know, did the orders change, did the orders change, you know, basically telling these planes you know, to stand down. Like, I wouldn't even know what it was in reference to, but it's just the way that they were running all these drills on 9-11, the same drills as if they were running simulations as if there were tower, there were planes flying into the tower. So when the tower broadcasters, whatever you guys call them, I don't know, the FAA people, when they were talking to each other, they didn't even know if it was a simulation or real. They're like, is this real or is this a simulation? And the fact that they didn't have planes in time, I mean, just so much stuff was fishy and that's before you even get into like building seven that's before you even get into like the structure of the buildings and how they fall just the story they presented to you like one millimeter deep you start to ask a lot of questions and so that woke me up to a lot of conspiracies i'm like why how would anybody benefit and i didn't realize until i understood that larry silverstein got seven billion dollars like the guy that owned the world trade lease he the person that had the world trade lease is a guy named larry silverstein he still owns one world trade and he had had the, the lease from the Metro Transit Authority, the MTA, for less than a year. And the reason he had bought it for a pretty good deal is because the towers had irreparable asbestos. They were built in 1968 and uh, in 1968 and then like the 70s, you know, the time that it took to build. Asbestos was one of the number one fire repellent used at the time. And so the building had terrible cancer causing asbestos and you can look this up yes you can you know you can look it up and it had a, basically a billion dollar reconstruction job is what needed to, you know whatever they call that so the towers had to come down 
for lack of a better word, and they did come down. And I actually believe once you really dive deep that they were they were erected in 1968 and they fell September 11, 2001, exactly. Well, not exactly, but 33 years after they started. And when you look at 33, that's one of the most important occultic numbers to these people. Like that's how they talk to each other is through signs and symbologies. Like, you know, they don't, they have to hide their symbols. It's like in a movie, like a movie doesn't tell you what the meaning of it was. It's your job to interpret it. So that's kind of how they use these events and they put clues in it so they can speak to each other so they can interpret what's going on. So it's like my show's Conspiracy Castle, you see 33. It happened on 9-11. 9-11 is an occultic number that they use. You know, there's so much, they, they didn't just pick that date on accident. So there's a, there are a lot that goes into it. Like Alex built in 1968, taken down in 2001, 33 years later. You know, and you also look at, you know, David Rockefeller, he's on the cover of Time magazine. And if you look at his watch, his watch is actually set at 9-11, which is very weird. But like, other than that, I mean, other than freaking all the, the Rockefeller nonsense, you know, what 9-11 really was, it was like an initiation into the new world order. It was a trauma-based mind control that all collectively happened at once. So it made it more potent. It's like a portal of information that we all downloaded and it was trauma that we also saw at the same time that we collectively felt like at one point we all like connected to the energy of it. I mean, do you remember 9-11? Oh yeah. I was a little bit older than you are. I was actually working at Jerry Springer during that time. And I found out that the first plane hit from a Jerry Springer guest that was supposed to get on a flight. Wait, say that again. What about Jerry Springer? You're watching it. I was working there. Wait, you worked at Jerry Springer doing what? I didn't, I didn't what, did, what did you do Jerry Springer? I was a producer back in 2001. Wow. And we actually had guests, like midgets in town from You're the day before. For Jerry Springer shut up in 2001. And see, I, I met Jerry Springer. I was on a dating show with him. It was called uh, uh, Baggage. Oh my I God, his, yeah. yeah. That came yeah. out after, yeah. Yeah, I was on the show Baggage, yes. I want to hear about that now. But anyway, so yeah, I was working for Springer at the time and like we had guests canceling all the time. So I just thought somebody was pulling my leg and like chickening out and not wanting to come to Chicago. And they were like, we can't get a flight. I was like, what are you talking about? And NBC Tower was like blocked off with barricades and downtown Chicago was like crazy. Like you couldn't get a cab out of downtown. But we had guests that were stuck in town, like midgets that had to be entertained for like an entire week. And real quick, Rena, so that's how Jerry Springer worked. He was located in Chicago, but all the guests were flown in basically, right? I mean, you very rare. I mean, sometimes you'd have local people, but like 90%, right? We're all from from where so they'd just be flying from california from bumfuck and, and what kind of and then you'd put them i'm just saying you'd put them in like a hotel like near the studio i'm guessing and just yep. you know hope red so roof in you know yeah they get exactly whatever diner yeah. food paid for their smokes the little house of blues little entertainment around chicago yes i started as an intern so i got to entertain them and learn the city alongside them and then learned how to talk to them book the stories brief them hang out in the green rooms tell them how to be crazy on national television. And then I became a producer. So, yeah. So I don't know if you know this, you know, I worked here in Dallas for the TV show cheaters and I signed an NDA, but it's a reality TV show. So, you know, what's going on. And I was one of the producers on that show. So I'm sure you signed an NDA. I don't know. I don't know what you can say about Jerry Springer, but like, so obviously the, a lot of that was like, I know you real people, but like what, I mean, kind of give us the inside scoop. Like, how much well, the of show was, is now over. Although he does oh, I have know, a, it's done. a, a it's court done, TV show. Oh, he's doing a court TV, but I'm saying you're in 2001. That's the hottest. That's what maybe it was, it was the a little thing. bit after the hottest, but yeah. they were still ripping each other's hair out and breaking fingernails. And like, you know, the security was coming up to the stage to rip people apart. So, you know, he was the first guy that was doing all that trans stuff. You know, he was the first guy. So this is my question. You know, the trans agenda, were they telling y'all, hey, we need trans stuff. We need trans stuff. We need trans stuff. How much did they tell you to, to bring? I mean, a lot of show? our guests like when I worked there called the 1-800-96-JERRY number. You know, that's how we got the majority of our guests. But I will say when we couldn't get booked, I was calling strip clubs. I was getting on the internet and looking for trans, you know? (laughs) Really? That's what I'm saying. Y'all are always looking for trans because that's the most, what, controversial? Why is it? Why do we like to see? It's like Caitlyn Jenner. Why is society? we? But that's another psyop that you don't realize is, is, Rena, in the future, they want us all one race and all one sex. So, and I'm, and I watched Tu Wong Fu as a kid. And, and like, really, honestly, that, like, that, that uh, library drag racing, I don't think that's bad. I mean, I don't think that's good, but I don't think it's, 
Well, if you bring your kid there, I mean, fuck. I mean, you got to say, hey, don't do this. Don't dress like this freak. I mean, this is a freak that, you know, and uh, God bless his soul. You know, he's just uh, doing his thing. I don't know. I, I don't know how to raise a kid. I'm not saying I'm a parent expert, but I'm also saying that like trans people are not the enemy. We shouldn't treat them with, you know, as the enemy. And I think if we are friendly to them, we can kind of enjoy them and kind of, like you said, the Jerry Springer show, a lot of trans people are just guys with a good sense of humor. Some of them don't have a good sense. Not everybody has a good sense of humor, but I don't know. I'm just pro trans community. And I guess it's from watching all that trauma-based mind control you put on me for Jerry Springer, always saying like, oh my God, I slept with this girl and she's really a boy, born a boy. That was the whole, that was like the whole story on Jerry Springer is, is, you know, Oh, I'm in love with Sarah. I'm in love with Sarah. And it's like, but Sarah's really, I was born a boy. And this guy's like, ah, you're a boy. I'm going to kick your ass. You know, and you were with the Steve, the guy, what the fuck, what happened with Steve Wilkos? Yeah, I actually worked on the pilot for that show. And I'm very surprised that, you know, I don't know what, what season they're on now, but that show took off and, you know, he became a whole personality just from being Jerry's security guard. And my old intern at Springer is now the senior producer of the Steve Wilco show. Wow. Moving on. Oh, so she stayed up. with that for like 20 years. Well, good for her though. I mean, that's a, that's a hard job. You know, it's a production oh, yes, job. It is. It's so hard. So, so your life was like probably pretty kind of crappy. Uh, I'm not crappy. No, nah, I mean, it's fun, you know, every day, but the people don't realize you work long hours and not a lot of reward. But I mean, at the end of the day, you make a cool show that lasts forever, but you know, probably not a lot of like accolades because you're dealing with like, transsexuals that want to smoke cigarettes all day long and it doesn't have anything to do with the show you know what i mean there's a lot of that at least that's how it was with cheaters getting the people on time and finding that you know that was the biggest pain in the ass is dealing with the people did any of them like ever find out about the story or did it ever happen in the street like prior to you know yeah all the, the time show? every yeah. type of different way it happened it fucked up every million <laughs> different type of way so yes in every kind of encounter with cops every kind of way it was on it's on 17 seasons and what actually prompted me to do my own show is the guy that was hosting was a guy named clark gable and his grandfather was clark gable from gone with the wind and yeah, he was the host of the show and he was this really cool guy. And the guy that owned the show is a guy named Bobby Goldstein. It's like Jewish producer style guy. You know how that goes. And his name is Bobby Goldstein. And he liked Gone with the Wind as a kid. And he saw that this Clark Gable kid got arrested and he like wanted to help him. And Clark was like nice, well-spoken guy. He's trying to be an actor and his grandfather's this guy. So they chose him as a host. And I was one of the producers on the show and I became good friends with Clark. Clark kind of got bad on pills, this and that. Well, he, uh, and this is after Joey Greco, but I worked there with Joey Greco. Somebody's bringing Joey Greco. He was the original host that got stabbed. What? With, with, he yeah, got stabbed? But, yes, you never heard that. You never heard that. Yes, yes. But listen. Is he okay? Uh, yes, he's fine. Listen, listen <laughs> to what I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to fucking talk about. Sorry, it's Clark. He was the host and he got some pain pills that were supposedly Vicodin. And I think they, and they were fentanyl supposedly. And he, he died. Like he took like two. Yes, he died. And no, so after that, one of the guys that owns the show is like, you know, Alex, I may need you to fill in. You're going to be the next host. And like, I was not happy about it. So like he waited like a year. And then when he was about to bring the show on, this, this is a year after, you know, it's not like, you know, even though right after he talked about it, but you know, he wasn't going to do the show right after they went and they picked like this, like black dude from Brooklyn and that's cool. But uh, you know, it's a little more social justice virtue signal pick, which is fine, which I actually can understand. I can actually understand if it's a demographic that makes sense, but I, it doesn't help me out. So I didn't benefit. So then that, and it, that's who I started my show with is in one of the cameramen from cheaters, like, well, Alex, you should do your own show. And I was like, you know, I should do my own show. And now I do my own show. And I learned all this Rena, within the last year, how to, and like, I'm not an expert, but literally streaming, stream labs, all this stuff is watching YouTube videos. And because I'm doing something I love, it doesn't feel like work. So that's why like you, you know, you've worked in production. It's crazy when you put in that effort for other people, when you start putting in that same effort in for yourself, it really feels good, Rena. It's like, I don't need an authority. I mean, I do want to get this mainstream somehow, but I don't even need that as long as I can build an audience that is, you know, really interactive and, and supports me. I absolutely love that. And I can relate to that so much because I am currently producing a show for someone else. And I have worked for other influencers pretty much for most of my career, but putting together this show with my dad has been so much fun and so rewarding. And I'm just shocked by sponsors coming my way. 
Yeah, and it's a good feeling, like, also having the freedom, you know. But I, I still, the freedom, I don't have that much freedom because I still get censored like crazy. Like, us talking about 9-11 is okay because 9-11 is, like, not that big a deal. But any medical misinformation, anything that goes against the CDC is automatic strike. That's why I have to say the CDC is always correct. They always know what they're talking about. Dr. Fauci is the most correct person that's ever been born. He's the smartest man alive. He's the most beautiful man alive. He's the best doctor and the right guy for the job. Okay, but uh, what I'm saying is, no, the censorship, I have to, I have to like cuck. I, I, I'm not myself, so it, it just kind of sucks that it's like that. That's the only freedom that I don't have. Other than that, I get to do you know whatever I want. Other than you know the potential censorship from YouTube. Tell me about going into Target with a Purim mask, like a masquerade mask on. You like that one, everyone? That one. I don't know how that went so viral. It's funny how that. It's like it's crazy what works and what doesn't. It's not about the mask, even though people thought that that kind of looked cool. What it was is they like the interaction, the awkwardness of the target guy, like taking me to target jail. That's all anybody cares about. So, you know, that's the sad reality of the world we live in is people are, are like so desperate for content. And now there's a lot of other content creators creating this, the same kind of content. It's like whether you're on both sides, whether you're pro-mask, anti-mask, whatever, there's just people fighting in public stores. We're sick, Rena. And, and you know why? It's all your fault because Jerry Springer got us. Seriously, Jerry Springer got us fighting on TV, made it normal for people just to publicly fight. And now people beat each other up over toilet paper. What do you think about that, Rena? I think that David is also banned from Costco for not wearing a mask. So he's also tried that. Yes. I mean, it's just really sad. Like, and then people can't, they're on the no fly list. Like I was just talking about how one of my good friends, Lou Coffey went down to the January 6th deal and now he's like banned. I mean, he's in jail. His life is ruined. He's, he can't even get bonded out. I mean, it's just the saddest thing ever. It's like, it's just very weird world. We live in very weird times, Arena. that like, uh, we're all kind of under some sort of trauma-based mind control. It just depends on how much, I think. What do your parents think about what you're doing right now? Okay, my mom loves it. My dad is like semi-embarrassed, I think. But I mean, my dad doesn't really give a shit. I mean, what is he going to do? Uh, because he's like a kind of a wild guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's, he's not some Bible beater. So he can't really say much. You know what I mean? He, I've grown up as a, and a, a, I'm a, my dad is a lifelong bail bondsman. And so I've had my bail bond license since I was 17. So what it's like growing up near a bail bond and growing basically up in a bail bond office, you deal with a lot of like prostitutes and drug dealers and bad, you know, people that go to jail, domestic violence, all kinds of people. So what I'm saying is my dad he can't really be too uppity because we deal with like real hardened actual criminals. So compared to them, I'm not a criminal. I'm not saying criminals are the worst thing. A lot of people will get arrested and they actually didn't do something wrong. That actually does happen, you know, misunderstanding of the sound. But I'm just saying, my dad deals with criminals all the time. He can't really say, get mad at me for trying to bring up 9-11 truth. But he's getting, he just recently kind of woke up to what's going on because a friend, a health nut, you know, told him not to get the, you know what, that we've been talking about earlier. I don't want to say it. And so he 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 believes her because she's a health nut. So so maybe he's coming along. How is your dad? Is your my dad's a he's an indoctrinated you know kind of boomer. I mean I love him. I'm close with him. But you know how it is. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm not calling my dad an old dog. He's my best friend. I love him. But you know you can't make your dad. Your dad's always going to be a little combative. How is that with you? Like is he a, almost if you say I want to go left, he kind of makes you go right. Does he have that ever kind of with you? He gives me a little bit of pushback, but he still answers to my mom and she made him get the vaccine. Really? He's okay? He's okay. Yeah. I haven't gotten it yet. And I actually had somebody reach out to me today that hadn't talked to me in like months. And they were like, hey, how are you? I'm still in this country. You know, I, I might have some business in the States. Have you had your vax? And I'm like, I almost feel like that's too personal of a question. Like, no shit. I don't like even people asking me that. And so again, I went to my LinkedIn following and was like, how comfortable are you with people asking you if you got vaxxed? Like, I feel like the people who get vaxxed are all happy to put their Instagram like picture up of their little, you know, vaccine passport. But the people who aren't doing it like are silenced, like they're not talking about it. No, it's, it's absolutely insane. Like uh, Joe Rogan, if he talks about it, you just get shut down and this thing gets shut down. I'm telling you, that's like the number one thing you can't talk about. And we are pro. Everybody make sure to go get inoculated. You think Jerry Springer's had the vaccine? I want to ask him. I have recently tried to get him on my show. Another thing that bothers me is I'm a mom of four. 
And all these mommies are like, oh, you know, they're going to lower the vaccine age. And thank God, you know, my son's immunocompromised and I can't wait for him to get it. And I'm like, wow, that scares me. That totally freaks me out that mommies think that like their immunocompromised kid is going to be okay from this. What did your dad, I have to ask you that. What did your dad think about Jerry Springer? Like, cause you asked me about me being kind of nutty and conspiracy. Yeah. What did your dad think about Jerry Springer? Does he think that's cool? He totally does because my dad like ran a manufacturing company with his parents for 40 years. So he's like an entrepreneur and he actually hired people out of jail to like work in his factory. There were people that like went to jail and like slept on my dad's couch. Like, I'm like, dad, how safe is that? Not like, very. No, yeah, there. So he's, he's, he's risky. He's, he's just trying to make, you know, he's just an honest man trying to be honest with some honest people. God bless his soul. I like your dad already. Yeah. He's given, you know, a lot of second chances to people. And for that, he's had extreme loyalty for the people that he's taken care of. But what's really funny is one guy that worked for my dad saw a picture of me and Jerry Springer on my dad's desk mm -hmm. and was like, how do you know her? And my dad was like, how do you know her? And he had been on my show and gone to Jamaica spring break. No, wait, so he won the spring break. Wait, wait, how did he, okay, because so he went on the show in Chicago. How did the spring break? How did he get on the spring break? Was that part of his, his gift or something? Because his story was so crazy and he was an outrageous guest. So we take the craziest guest with us to Jamaica. And that guy worked at my dad's factory. <laughs> and he was such a good guest. He got to do a repeat episode in Jamaica. Wow. I don't, I don't remember the Jamaica episode. So I guess that was a spring break deal that he would, Jerry would do. That's cool. So you would go down to Jamaica. Oh Tell me about that. What was the logistics in Jamaica? Oh my goodness. I just remember, I mean, I was in my early twenties. So this is like a dream come true. I got to like fly first class to Jamaica and like I was greeted with lots of marijuana mm -hmm. from boats that arrive at the resort and I'm hanging out with Jerry Springer guests and there's big bubble pits and you know I'm like babysitting adults it was it was amazing it's awesome um, and you had like you probably had a company card you know to pay for their shit I'm just saying you know it's all expenses paid you're working but it's a little fun a little stressful you're in Jamaica exactly so is Jerry like in a better mood because y'all were on location in Jamaica <laughs> Jerry and the crew was taken care of. <laughs> wow. Did Jerry, does Jerry like to party? Was he, does he drink and does he, does he, does he like libations? I didn't know. Does he like to party? I don't know if he likes libations, but he definitely likes to party. He does. I'm sure he likes, cause he's always in into women. Do you think he went, do you think he got with a lot of the guests? Do you think, or is that? No, uh, you're not we have high-fived a few on the way back wow. from the, you know, where the producers are staying and where the associate producers well, are staying. Well, that's <laughs> the movie. He had that movie. I'm already spinning myself. What's it called? It was called, what was his movie? Uh, the Ring Ringmaster. Ringmaster. And then Ringmaster, I think, doesn't he hook up with one of the guests in Ringmaster? I mean, like, that's insane. It's truth in the movies, lies in the news. I believe they tell us what's really happening in the movies. Like, James Bond, you know how they always picture James Bond as, like, this, like, hero? James Bond is really like, kind of like the evil villain working for all those evil companies that he, that in the movies he pretends to fight. He's actually fighting us for them that's like the reality so you know that there's a lot of symbolism in that so ringmaster like that was right around your time wasn't it? it i think it was like right before me but the thing is is like when you work in that environment and you hear those stories day in and day out and you're hanging out with the guests like that is your life like it becomes your life like part of why i left after you know the third season was that I didn't think there could be like healthy relationships. Like it was starting to wear on me. I was like, I think I need to go work for something like nanny 911 or like, you know, real world road rules, like something, you know, even though that was smut TV, it wasn't as much, you know? It's called negative vibrations. When you're on that, it's like, you know, you're, you, everybody's low vibrational. It's not their fault, but that's what you're trying to encourage that. Like I like with cheaters, it's like that you want the people that are going to be the most combative. Totally. And so it wears off. It's like a battery or whatever. That energy starts to, you start to pick up that same energy that it's getting, giving off. It's weird yeah. that we are, we're electromagnetic beings like that. What we surround ourselves and it's hard to be positive when a person's like, I ain't got no money. I need five dollars to smoke cigarettes. And I usually smoke a little bit of crack so I can take a 20 rocket crack. And I, you know, I mean, you're like, whoa, and you're just like this young 20s girl in Chicago trying to live the dream, you know, like Mary Tyler Moore or what I don't know, you know, like just you know, trying to big girl against the world and the real world's kind of scary when you really see it, you know? It totally was. Like, I remember this prostitute that was like screaming, like with excitement over the phone. And then when she saw like the studio audience, all of a sudden she got cold feet. I'm like, what do you need to get that crazy bitch that you were on the phone 
out there, you know, I'm like, do you Rena, need a fist? I was well, what like, what did you do? What did you do? I was get like, her? you know, like you can't chicken out now. I'm like, you don't care what these people think. I'm like, you're whoring yourself on weekends. Why do you care about these people right here? No, let me tell you something. That's the same with cheaters. The people that'd be like, oh, I'm going to bust my husband. I'm going to kick his ass. As soon as the cameras got on him, they'd be like a cold, uh, lame duck. Always. I'm sure that happened all the time. The people and the people that were the craziest were the ones that wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, oh, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, like you try to get him pumped up. Like when you see, when you catch him, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to go, you know, you're going to, you know, so the ones that are like, oh, I'm going to tear him down. I'm going to cut his dick out. I'm going to, those people always sucked. And the, the women that were like just conniving, just like dead quiet, those were the ones that acted. They were like, ah, as soon as the cameras came on. So it's weird. It's, isn't that crazy how even a transvestite, a person that tapes their penis or maybe cuts it off, it still has some sort of self-consciousness in a group of people on the Jerry Springer show, which is pretty outrageous, right? That's actually something that I had to do was the taping. And that kind of was like, I felt like beyond my call of duty. <laughs> Like, wait, what do you mean? A guy, what did he do? He, he spread eagle and you kind of taped it down. And, and I guess it wasn't sexual because he's a gay homosexual. I mean, why is this like, why, why would he pick a woman? Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, well, how does a, as a producer, I know you're willing to do anything, but explain to me, how did his hand, how did your hands get on his junk in a non-sexual way? Can you please explain right now? Yeah. I was like, can the makeup artist do that? Like, yeah, it was all same. hands on deck. <laughs> And he's like, hey, I need my hand. I mean, well, I mean, and so what did you go behind? Explain how, please tell me how. What did yes, he I was behind. He kind of, you know, assisted. <laughs> because he needs leverage. So you had to go behind him. <laughs> shut up. Rita, shut up. Gross. You're standing by. So you're looking at his neck, the back of his neck. It was crazy. Yeah. And another and time some, too, like, some, wait, no, no, real quick. And you same subject tape? though. Like, but you have, you have some duct tape and yes, what it was you duct doing? tape. It was totally duct tape. And it was skin to tape, hair to tape, or was there some sort of like, you know, in between, was there like a sheen fabric? There is, or was there it, is no like lube or any like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it was balls to tape to asshole. Basically he had his balls up in his asshole. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Wow. Sounds like a good old fashioned time. Sounds like a, you know, I know there's a place over on Oak Lawn. You can get that for $45, I believe. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm joking, but okay. Uh, and you should have been tipped at least if he didn't tip your waitress, that guy's a real jerk. Okay. But so you did that. What's the second story? What else happened? Yeah, so no, the other story was the executive producer said that he didn't believe that the transsexual was once a guy and the license, you know, reflected that. But he told me to take the guest into my office and make sure. And I was not comfortable doing that. <laughs> no. And you were telling and really. So, so I said guys, that I did, but yeah, I didn't. You just lied. You didn't. Yeah, that's no shit. <laughs> Duh, so that's smart. That's good, Rena, that you'd lie like that. Yeah, that's a good lie. The weirder the couples or whatever, the better the show. Is it because we're all just a freak show? We all just want to watch the freak show? Why is that, Rena? Yeah, totally. Like after I worked there for a couple of years, like it had to get weirder and weirder even to raise an eyebrow. I'm like, how long has it been going on? Are they related? Like, you know, do you have Tourette's? Like there's got to be some sort of twist in order for me to even like be interested in your story. Like just a regular cheating story wasn't doing it for me anymore. Wow. We live in a weird society right now. How are these kids going to make it? You have four children. When are you going to expose your four children to the Jerry Springer show? <laughs> I think I may have shown them like a teaser or something, but I don't think they fully understand what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, we didn't have a choice because if you ever missed a day of school, you saw the Jerry Springer show all day. So we were watching it from elementary school. So it wouldn't be that weird for you to show your young kids, to be honest. Exactly. And, and, you know, back to my dad, like when I first came up to Chicago, I was working for an NPR station in college where I used to read the news and the weather. And so I interviewed at WGN and then they didn't have an opening when I was graduating and I didn't get picked or whatever. WGM's so, like the top station. I mean, that's not that easy. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that it's a very competitive job, right? I mean, yeah. So I got an interview there, but then literally right across the courtyard, Jerry Springer was looking for interns. So I just walked across the courtyard on that same day and was like, hey, I'm here to meet with the intern coordinator. Yeah. And you got a gig like that. Two weeks later, I started. 
Yeah, tell me about some of the stories that you saw that were hard to rope back in. Oh, uh, I mean, just the really though, I don't even want to get into the negative vibration. Oh, I mean, I will talk about it, but the negative vibration, anything with kids kind of always, that's always kind of annoying, you know, like literally having to hire babysitters to go do bus. That was a, that was probably one of the biggest pain in the asses and making sure that people get there. I mean, that was nobody ever, nobody had a job or people that had a job, like always had to work. You know what I mean? It's just never, it was never an easy process. You know, very rarely was it like, oh, I'll be there in my car and I'll be there on time and I'll have, you know, the right clothes on or I'll have, sometimes you had to film multiple days for the interview. They wouldn't bring multiple clothes. So you had to go have clothes for them. You know what I mean? Which is normal stuff and shows do, but it's just all pain in the ass. Some of the continuity dealing with these people was a pain in the ass is what I'm saying. How do you get your ideas now for like the comedy stuff that you're doing, like trolling the teachers and... Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm primetime 99 outside. I didn't realize this. So after I lost that gig, I can just do my own show. And I know I'm, I know I'm peddling conspiracies, but the only reason is because this is what I'm passionate about. So when I talk about it, it's like, I've actually done a lot of research in this, but really and truly I'm a broadcaster. I mean, I'm a comedian. I'm the trolling and stuff. I've always been like that. This is, I've just been having an audience and have a focus now, like a laser focus and a drive to build this channel and to build the conspiracy castle primetime 99 Alex because I really do want to expose dude, we're living in there's so much hypocrisy Rena I'm I like I was just talking about this people get mad I've always considered myself pretty liberal you know what I mean like I like Trump but I mean I'm not some conservative I'm definitely not conservative I'm in the middle you know and I'm pro-gay marriage I don't care if gays get married I don't care you know I don't and and, and I do believe medicine should be socialized a poor person if they break their arm they should be able to get a free ambulance ride to the hospital come on give me a break or, or our medicine is is a hundred times the price as medicine in Mexico give me a break doesn't make any sense so I'm saying I'm not like some like oh Ted Cruz guy but we're like in this really weird social justice virtue signaling this is political correct culture that it's insane to follow that rule. And so that's what that's where I get my humor from is just going against that. If you just go against the political correctness, that's basically humor now. But there's nobody has any sense of humor. So it's a very small audience, sadly. Is there anything that you would like to do that you haven't yet? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I'm going to take this show to the freaking next level. I want to get on the mainstream and I want to troll like on a main level. I mean, I want to troll celebrities like modern day jackass or whatever. I'm just saying like, I want to freaking i want to interview on the street i want to get my boots on the ground as much as possible rena and i want to be like the next conan but there's not going to be like a conan you know now with the internet you can have your own show so i want to be the next jay leno or, or david letterman but do it all myself by myself for myself mo money mo honey for this bear so i can eat it all because i'm primetime 99 so that's what i'm thinking rena that's what i'm trying to go after what about borat I love Borat, but see, Sasha Baron Cohen became a social justice warrior, and I love him. I mean, I used to love his comedy, like like Howard Stern. I fucking worshipped the idol of Howard Stern, and now he's such a social justice warrior, I can't even stand Howard. He makes me sick. I'm just like, ugh. Is there anything that you would want to ask my daddy? That's something that I ask all of my guests. Yeah, what would I ask your daddy? Okay, so... I'd like to know just a little bit about, you know, what is Rena all about? You know, I'd like to ask your dad, like, uh, you know, what uh, what makes Rena laugh? Like, what can you what can you do, dad, that, that makes Rena laugh? I want him to I want to know his connection with you, Rena, because obviously call better call daddy. You have a connection with your dad. So I'd like to see that that father daughter connection. And I know I'm being a little facetious, but let's just be honest. All right. You know, I'm an only child. And I love my dad, but I have a father-son relationship that I don't know what it's like. Like, if my dad had a daughter, I what I'm trying to say is I couldn't imagine what my dad would be like if I was a daughter. Because is he protective of you? You know, like, that's a dis if it's different. Uh, he probably should have been a little more protective, actually. <laughs> no! Shut up, Rita. He was letting you do wild stuff. Shut it down. Are you serious? He wasn't, he wasn't, oh, I like that. So your dad's cool. That's he I already know. I already like him. He wasn't some strict dad. So he lets you go on dates and stay like he, what if he caught you sneaking out at night? He wouldn't bust your, he wouldn't bust your balls too much. Well, actually my sister tried to sneak out once. I was, I was kind of a good girl. Maybe that's why he trusted me. Like I didn't get crazy until college, but, um, yeah, my sister tried to sneak out and I think he like practically broke his knee, like almost falling down the steps. Yeah, I, I stuck um, it all the time. Yeah. So you never snuck. See, that I should have known. You were for the Jerry Springer show, but you went to work at WGN. You really had goody two shoes for sure. I can tell, Rena. You I never didn't... snuck out at all in high school. Oh my gosh. Not all once out of my out. house, out of someone else's house. Yeah. And then the cops got called. So yeah, that didn't go over well. 
trauma-based mind control, but you deserved it because in the future you were about to transition about a bunch of kids. Just think about all the little kids that are like, mommy, daddy, why did Rena put those, why were those two transgenders fighting? Or why was that boy, the construction worker, mad at that girl for tricking him and saying that he was a boy? Like, imagine because of you, think I might transition because of you. Now I might go watch all that. I mean, I've always talked about it for, for like, if it'll give me more fame, People are gonna get mad, but yeah, I mean, I'm basically I don't I don't have a choice. Like like little Nas X, you know, I might have to do the little Nas X and just transition. And I'm already kind of halfway there. Like I'll just be Alexandra, and I'll be like the first ever transitional broadcaster in the history of broadcasting. Yeah, I saw what you did to Melinda Gates. I like Melinda Gates. I actually am really attracted to Melinda Gates. Honestly, Melinda's my type. I'm not even just saying that. I'm not even hating on Melinda because my type is billions of dollars. If a girl is billions of dollars, I will literally do whatever she wants. You know what I mean? I mean, let's just be real. I mean, I need some money. I got bills to pay, honey, but not about my bills. We're not here to talk about my bills. We're here to talk about Melinda, my girl. Can we talk about Epstein? I would love to know your thoughts on that. Oh yeah, 100%. He hung himself. It was no foul play. He was just really depressed. He just wasn't feeling good. He's having a bad day in the vending machine. They're out of the Snickers. And like, he supposedly had like a caramel Mars, I think. And he didn't actually, he had kind of a negative reaction to the caramel and he just felt so bloated. And he just he, like, he, I think from what my inside information is that his prison garb, like the pants were a little too tight. And he realized he was gaining weight from the stress eating in the vending machine because when he was with his attorneys, he was just on the vending machines all the time. And so he was just kind of stressed about that. And he looked himself in the mirror. He was disgusted with himself. This is just what I, I mean, this is all true. He's 18 pounds overweight. And he just said, I'm just going to, I'm going to end it. I'm just going to, so he just ended it. And he just got a bed sheet and he just threw himself off the top bunk. And it's just that easy. Yeah. So no, seriously though, if you look at it, if you really look into it, the only way it happens is is with there. He had a CPAP machine in there and the CPAP machine has a power cord. So I believe that it was the cord of the CPAP machine. And I believe that now they say maybe he goes to Epstein Island. He's not dead. They're going to call me a baby truther for saying I believe that he is dead because I believe they kill him. Like his partner was Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell's dad was Robert Maxwell, who was literally an Israeli spy, double agent that worked in the UK and was like a media broadcaster himself, owned a media company. So like he literally was like tied in with the Mossad, the secret service. And I believe that once he was killed by the Israeli Mossad, he was thrown off his boat. He fell off his boat under you know weird circumstances. So I believe he was murdered. And I think Jeffrey Epstein was just the kind of the next guy that took over for him and through Ghislaine Maxwell, that was that connection. And so they had to kill him. Now, some people say he's still alive. I, I believe that somebody went in there, choked him out, made it look like that. And then the cameras were off and uh, the guards were asleep. You know what I mean? It's like they weren't, none of that is true. Neither of those things are true. So, but he is not here in our collective consciousness in the zeitgeist. So whether you believe he's floating somewhere like in witness protection program, He's still dead to society, for lack of a better word. Do you think people are going to start gathering again? I just did a small gathering in my backyard with two tents last weekend. Yeah, I mean, people are kind of gathering in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, but do I think? I believe they'll open everything back up, Rena, and then immediately shut everything back down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, it's going to be a wave. Like, as soon as, like, wherever, New York, Los Angeles, it doesn't matter, or Texas, even, even it, they're going to be like, oh, it's wide open, and then, Oh, but precautionary, we got to shut it back down. This is what they call rolling lockdowns. Like that's never, sadly, never going to stop. But they're definitely going to hit the panic button again. This is not the last time that CDC or whatever is going to look at some numbers on a piece of paper and be like, oh, panic. They're going to use this more and more and more. What were you like as a child? Just like this, but worse more combative i was probably even more combative as a kid and you know actually speaking of it you know i'm, I'm actually thinking uh, of what you're saying as as a kid like i was thinking about like the political correctness and i kind of remember as a kid kind of using that to like my advantage like i remember being wild and stuff if i got in trouble with the principal like going after the principal even if as a kid when i was wrong like my dad being on my side using like social justice being like oh the kid deserves a due process if you're gonna get him in trouble you know he deserves a i'm saying as a child i went in front of like the judicial council a lot the principal the vice principal i was always used to that and so when you go and talk to principals like that you're kind of social justice you're like well give the kid his fair even though they'd always still suspend me or whatever you know but i would always like push the envelope so I'm used to like, for lack of a better word, like virtue signaling, like getting my right of freedom of speech. Basically what the left does, you know, they're getting their day in court 
but I would lose every time I was in the metaphorical court. You know what I mean? I kind of like that actually. So you've been pushing buttons from a very young age. Did you do that in the workplace? I'm well, I mean, I, I buy and sell used cars. So yes, everywhere I've worked, you know, I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, I push buttons, buy this car. I push a lot of brain buttons, but no, I mean, I, I'm a, sadly, I'm a troll. I've been, you know, I know how to troll. I know how to stir Okay, Give me pot. some troll lessons, please. Well, I'll just tell you what, it, what, this is what it is. I was just talking with a, a comedian, a Chrissy Mayer. She was on my show and she was really, well, the way to trigger somebody the most is to talk about their insecurities. When people bring up what you're insecure, that's how you trigger somebody. So it's like, you don't want to troll and just like make somebody's fun of somebody's looks or something like that's not really in trolling. That's almost just mean, but like trolling is like truly getting at somebody's insecurities without like being ugly. If that makes sense, even though you can be ugly to be a troll, you know, I'm just saying it's like a, there's, it's a more delicate way of setting being like you're fat and ugly and stupid trolling. There's a little more art. You know what I mean? You got to be kind of that same way. You got to push people's insecurities. You're going to be like, you know, are you excited to get the free Corona donut or something? You know what I mean? There's different ways to act. I it, saw that just, video. That was good. I like that. That that was well received too. Yeah. People liked it. I'm going to create more content. That's the saying, Rena, I'm so happy that I got this channel and this show because now I realize I don't need a network. Like obviously Jerry Springer is old school and he has, he was pumped up by all these big production companies and he's a star, but it's like this day and age now it's totally different where I'm, my show is not as good, but I mean, I'm literally running a show, learning how to do this myself. So, so I can, the future is as bright as I want to turn it on. You're like literally with the show, even if I suck, I can keep doing it and I can create my own content, create my own Jerry Springer. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm doing that too. That, uh, like, seriously, yeah. I had this chick that I connected with on LinkedIn and she professionally was connected with a couple people that I knew. Then we get into conversation and she's like, yeah, I planned a threesome to get pregnant. I'm like, what? Hell Wait, what? yeah. I was like, I want to interview you and the kid that came from that. Wait, explain that. What do you mean? Like she couldn't get pregnant. So she had another She's Wait, a lesbian. That. She needed sperm. So she tricked a good old boy from Kentucky that she worked with driving horse and carriage to knock her up. Wow. They so they got freak nasty. Two girls got and so he turned he did it. Yes. I like that. Well, then they, him, you know, but... he didn't ask to, you know, wear wear anything. And so moment he left, she's like kicking her legs in the air, you know. And then she ended and it worked and it, she it got worked. pregnant. It was like a master plan. And so what ended up happening? Who ended up taking care of the baby? She did. She did. And now they have a show together called Thompson Talks, actually. With the kid or with the dad? No, with the son. Uh, and she's a musician. She like sang to me on the show. It was really cool. And he raps and he's gotten kicked out of schools and felt, you know, daddy issues because the dad, you know, is his dad, but didn't want to be a father. So I love that. Wow. That's insane. That's wild. Well, I can't imagine getting a girl pregnant in a threesome and then, I mean, it can a lesbian and not even had to take care of it. So he didn't have child support or anything. He didn't have any, I mean, it sounds like he, and he's got a baby out there. Yeah, yeah. I can't oh, believe another that. Another great one too is like, I mean, I haven't interviewed her yet, but like when I was in Kentucky, I was at the JCC and I saw some girl like combing the sperm bank, like on the internet. I was like, what are you doing? You know, and then found out that she was a lesbian and she was like looking for a certain height, a certain IQ, like eye color. What was, so she, what was it? What was she looking for? Did she tell you what, exactly what she was looking for? What IQ or height? Did she <laughs> She wanted somebody artistic, somebody like, it, you know, that like, it was like at least six foot tall. I'm like, oh my God, dude, this is amazing. I'm well, like, you can guy. like- Well, Rena, there's a guy, he, they just wrote an article about it. He's had over 70 kids because his sperm's like really desirable because he's like, has a college degree. And and not <laughs> a lot of people that, well, not a lot of people that fit those boxes, those check exactly. boxes want to donate their sperm. But you know what? They actually have like, I think cut off the, the limit of how much you can donate now is less than that because of there could be 70 half brothers or sisters walking around and like, you know, if they check the box that it's like, you know, I don't want to be notified or I don't want to know, like, how are these yeah. people going to know that they're related or not? Well, that's what this guy happened. So now like he did so many where they don't, don't let him do it. But now like people go to him because they know of him. Like, like you said, the legend was like that. Yeah, exactly. So like he has a reputation. Got like swimmers. <laughs> exactly. And what I was noticing is, I mean, guys. Yeah, I want to interview him. And All right. Well, I'm excited to hear what my daddy has to say about this episode. <laughs>
Uh, uh, is he going to go nuts? He's going to go wild when he talk about when he hears primetime 99 Alex Stein. Well, let me tell you something, Dad. I'm primetime 99 Alex Stein. You're going you're gonna to see me. You're going to be seeing a lot of me because I'm going to grind and shine. I'm going to take this thing to the next level, Rena. So when I'm at the top like Jerry Springer was in like 1996, primetime's going to be like that in about 2026. So uh, let me say, get your popcorn ready is what they say. Well, I hope that you'll do another round on my show in 2026 then. For sure. We'll be back. We're going to have to come back in a flash. Thank you for being such a lovely guest. And guys, here at the Conspiracy Castle, please go follow uh, Better Call Daddy. And where can they find you, Rena? Tell the people where they can find your podcast. Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com and on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the podcast places. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. What's interesting about this show is that they're both broadcasting a show together where he's doing his podcast as you're doing your podcast simultaneously. Interesting concept, to say the least. Yeah, I feel like I might have got upstaged there a little bit. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that Alex, who's always gotten himself in a little trouble, always has pushed back on the man, so to speak, or on the establishment. And today's new era that we're in for podcasts, you don't have to be limited if you can build a network, if you can build a following, if you want to express yourself openly and freely. We have the opportunity, all of us, to be able to express ourselves. We still have to act within a certain criteria as well. But the fact is, is that we have, with this means, added freedom to be who we want to be and to be real if we can. And cut through all of the baloney. It's an interesting idea that you can be a rebel and express yourself on any subject and any matter and have a real live discussion about issues without having to listen to all the so-called experts because they have their noses up in the air. And the funny part is, is that uh, these people that are so, the, the so-called experts know less than what they project that they know, number one. And number two, they're putting on an act half the time themselves and aren't being real with everybody and just trying to look professional and look good out there so that you think that they're able to sell a bag of goods just like everybody else. What do you think of going out and trolling different local events, protests, vaccination sites, and expressing the other opinion? Well, that's the thing. He's playing, it's what we call it, he's playing devil's advocate. And whether he believes necessarily in taking the other side or not, I'm not sure that he believes believes that, but he believes that playing devil's advocate is an important ingredient in getting to the truth. And he might be right about that, is that if we don't question a lot of the things that we're doing, people can run over you or governments can run over you or institutions can run over you when they might not be doing what's right. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com.